Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. This week we're reading from Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. And it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they needed. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Good morning, Trinity Life Church. So excited to be here. How fire was that worship this morning? I'm I'm just super excited. We're talking about the church. We are gathered as the church, and uh, we get to now center around the Word of God as the church. And and so if you're joining in at this point, we are in the middle of our Discover and Rise series, and we are doing this series intentionally over the course of this summer to lay a solid foundation for who we are at Trinity Life as the local church, a local body of believers. And so um, our, our, our leadership team, our staff have been putting lots of energy and attention into streamlining lots of things for us. We've been streamlining our, our processes, our teams, our leadership development, uh, so many things in order to uh, narrow in and focus in and uh, be more effective and efficient at walking forward in God's mission together as the local church. And um, this Discover and Rise series, Rise Online, uh, is all a part of that. And so that's why we need um, a healthy level of participation for all of us as we walk towards the fall. The fall is going to be a big launching point for us as we look to making dis- uh, disciples together, as we look to capping off this uh, foundation and, uh, and really start engaging our city, which is in obviously a crazy place right now because of so many things. Just our current culture and time, our, uh, the pandemic, uh, all sorts of things have, have made the church um, more integral than ever before. And a part of that is just because history is at this point in time now. And, uh, and so let's, we need to be the church more than ever. So here we go. Um, and so what's, what's our mission? This is how we articulate it, right? Uh, we articulate it like this, that we, we want to move forward discovering identity and destiny through 5,600 people, influencing our city by partnering with 560 organizations and influencing the world by planting 56 churches. And, so, and, and how much you participated in, in all of that is an indicator of how with us you are, how... how uh, um, like it should be, it should be exciting to jump 
head first into the mission of God as we contextualize it locally as Trinity Life Church. Um, for those of you guys who are new to our church, uh, we want it, it's our honor to, to welcome you in and to help lay a foundation for the Christian faith. And, and so as we've been walking through who we are, we call it our DNA. It's the stuff that's on the inside of us that makes us who we are, right? It's our DNA. And we start with the kingdom. We are kingdom focused, that Jesus was about the kingdom. He came preaching the kingdom. Paul in Acts, he, he, uh, he starts off, or Jesus starts off with... Um, with uh, teaching about the kingdom. And then Paul in Acts at the end, he's teaching about the kingdom. And so the kingdom is the main thread, the main thrust that informs everything else. Uh, so we, we are about the kingdom and we are disciples. We are the, the basic operating unit in the kingdom um, to see it built and pushed forward and ushered in. And the disciple is someone who hears and obeys God's voice. That disciple doesn't just exist in nowhere land. They exist in society. So the disciple a kingdom disciple engages society. And as a kingdom disciple engages society, we reach the point in the Discover and Rise series where we are ready to talk about the church as the church arises out of kingdom disciples engaging with society. So now is the time to talk about the church. The church globally represents billions of people worldwide who call themselves Christians, followers of Jesus. Uh, there is no bigger organization. There, there is no uh, there is no larger landowner. The church represents the biggest entity to ever exist, the longest standing entity that will ever exist because Jesus and God is with the church. And for some reason, it's still around despite the Christians who make up the church. Like if you take any individual Christian, you'd wonder why does the church why is the church this way? Why is it still around? I mean, that's why so many people are leaving the church in, in today's generation, right? Because it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And there's all this stuff in, throughout history that we look back on. We're like, what is the church doing? And the church will eternally exist despite itself. And God is clearly with his church throughout all time and will be throughout all eternity, which is amazing. So, um, and I've been, uh, uh, so hopefully we get to lay a foundation for what is the church, because as we look around, we just have to ask that question. What really is the church? Because we fumble around and we get it wrong and screw it up so much. And so this question is key. And I find even, even in the life of Trinity Life Church, as we, as we are so kingdom focused, um, it can often be... Uh, uh, at a sacrifice for having a robust local church ecclesiology, which is just uh, a, a, a theological understanding of who we are as the church. And would almost lessen the importance of the church to uh, emphasize the importance of the kingdom. And that's certainly the case, but we cannot put it at a point where it is so minimized that we, we don't love the church because Jesus loves the church. So here we go. Um, uh, <clears throat> For, for you, also, if you're new, um, we and just tuning in this week, we have been doing Rise Online, which is every week, as we've laid a brick in the foundation, we, uh, we have a platform for you to, to just log into, answer a few questions to make sure you're following along. The goal at the end of this is for all of us to stand up together, put up our hand and say, yes, this is the foundation for us. We all agree. Let's move forward in the mission of God together. And so it's just an online platform to check out, to keep up with and uh, 
and I get it. It's weird. There's this, it's the summertime, so there's a lot of stuff going on, um, and we're all living through this pandemic, so life is crazy. And, uh, and so if you're unsure about what it is, rise at trinitylife.ca, email. That will get you some help so you can figure it out. And if you're struggling to keep up with it or if you don't know what it is, then make sure you ask, make sure you check in, because ideally, if you're here on Sunday, then you check us out on, on Monday. We release that module with the questions, and it takes two minutes, fill it out. It just goes to show that we're all standing on the foundation, uh, solid, similar foundation, or same foundation together. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> and especially at the foundation that is necessary for accomplishing this mission, right? Discovering identity and destiny in Christ through 5,600 people, influencing our city by partnering with 560 organizations in the world by planting 56 churches. <clears throat> So, uh, here we go. The, the, the mission is ahead of us, and we need to think uh, very creatively about how we engage in the mission. And we need to think very creatively about who we are as the church. And not that we have to come up with something new, but that the, po the, the possibilities in the foundation that God has laid are endless. But if we get stuck in our way of thinking about the church... From what we've seen in the past, the foundation maybe that man has laid, we may miss the possibilities, we may miss the opportunity to engage in the mission that God uniquely has for us. So, um, so this is why we're doing this. And, and it's to say that, hey, if there's other things beyond this, let's talk about those things. What are those things? And if, you, if you're like, oh, I, I need this to be a part of the church, then, well, let's talk about it if it's not a part of this foundation that we're going to lay today. Um, and we can be flexible with those things, right? Um, and I, like I said in the beginning of, of the stream, that I firmly believe that even though we're in pandemic right now, uh, and we, we have been doing a lot of social distancing, a lot of social isolation, the church of God can still grow closer together than it ever has been before. So think about how it's going for you. You're a part of the church, or you've been following along with a church. How's it going for you? How's this summer been in particular? We're halfway through uh, August, so the summer is almost over. <laughs> Isn't that so sad to say? We're like two weeks away from the end of summer. Oh, no. Uh, but how's it been going for you, right? Uh, does it feel like you're preparing for making disciples in the fall? Does it feel like you're getting ready for the mission of God to just explode in the local church? Does it feel like you are dreaming for the possibilities of the future? Are you praying for your church and your friends and your family? Are you praying for the city? When you do these things, we get to do them together because this is what we're doing, all the things I just mentioned. We're doing those things as we walk together forward into the fall. And if we call ourselves follower of Je followers of Jesus, but we aren't participating with the local church, and I mean that broadly, just think, just think broadly about that. <clears throat> uh, it may be because we just have a small view of the church. It may be that some of the bricks that man has laid that said this is what a church should be are what we're focusing on or what we've experienced, to be generous um, to, to some of you guys, uh, are just what we've experienced in the past. And so that's what we assume is part of the foundation and what we assume that every church is like. And that's just not the case. And so uh, 
And so we may have a small view of the local body of Christ. And I'm not just talking about Trinity Life Church, right? Um, We're talking about what a local church is fundamentally, theologically, and biblically. Okay? Um, That's the topic for today. So the question stands, what is the church? And it depends on who you ask. You're going to get a variety of answers, right? Um, Hopefully, uh, hopefully we're coming today with the expectation that God has a definition. God has a definition for the church. And we should expect that if we open this book, that we may find God's definition for the church and the local church, not just our own definition. So, last week we talked about evangelism sharing our faith, and, uh, and there's, there's a quote I love. Um, I think this is Leslie Newbegin. Uh, he says, the best hermeneutic for the gospel is the church. The body of Christ is the best hermeneutic for the gospel. So what does that mean? Hermeneutic, it is the interpretive tool. It's the way that you understand what you are seeing or looking at or reading. It, how you understand that's hermeneutic, the, way, the tool for understanding the gospel, the good news of Jesus. So when we look at the church, we should be able to fully, more fully understand the good news of Jesus. So let's ask that question for ourselves. What is integral when the, church, or when the world looks at the church uh, to see so that people can best understand or see most clearly and understand most clearly what we're talking about when we talk about the church and what we're talking about when we talk about the good news of Jesus. So, all right, let's, let's start off with the biblical images um, that are presented for what the church is. All right, <clears throat> um, because there's, there's clearly multiple functions for the church as we see in Ephesians 2, uh, verses 13 to 22. We're not going to read that, but you can see some of them in this list that I'm going to give. And it's all about extending the rule and reign of God. You could say this another way, building the kingdom of God. This is the point. Uh, the church is a main, major and main vehicle for this. Uh, okay, so one, the first image is the royal priesthood. Royal priesthood. We get this from Ephesians uh, 3 in multiple places. Um, this is basically the understanding that, that we have been brought near to God. There's one mediator between man and God, that's Jesus. But we, in cooperation with the Holy Spirit, we bring those who are far from God close to God. So we are the priesthood. We see images for this in the Old Testament, right? Like, uh, Aaron and Moses, right? They are, they are the, the, the start of the priestly line in which uh, uh, the people of God mediate between the, the, the presence of God, God's people in the world, right? And so uh, the, the, the priest would minister in the temple. The one particular priest would go in once a year into the very holy of holies, the, uh, the place in which God's presence would dwell, they would literally attach a rope around his waist and, and bells to, to, his, uh, to his clothing. So because when you enter the presence of a holy God, you may very well just fall over dead um, as someone who has sinned against a holy God, right? 
And so they would attach a rope around him so they could drag his dead body out of there if something wasn't good with what was going on there. And so uh, you, you even see this, this picture where the people of God are meant to covenant with God, right? And Moses is standing there and the people of God are all invited around, uh, around the mountain and, and, and God invites everyone forward, the whole nation, the whole nation to become this priestly, play this priestly role between God and the world. But only one man steps forward, and that's Moses. And the nation was left behind. And so we see the fullness of this picture played out in the church today, full of the Spirit. What God was always meaning from beginning to end is fulfilled in the church, because we are the royal priesthood. We are also the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ, because we, Jesus loves his bride, amen? Like, he loves it so dearly. I'm so glad that this image is here in Scripture, that we are his bride. Think about the, the most ideal picture of a bride, and you still can't even get close to understanding the dynamic and the engagement that Jesus has with his bride, the church. But we can, it can help our understanding, right? So we, we've become one flesh with the Lord Jesus as he has created in himself one person in place of the two. Ephesians 3.15. We are the bride of Christ, and he loves us. We are the body of Christ. We are one body unified in our mission. We, have, we are varied in our gifts, so we have great diversity, but ultimate inclusivity. Um, we, you know, the Bible says that... Uh, that Though we are, we are one body, we have many members. And that some are like fingers, and some are like feet, and some are like shoulders, and some are, some are like the spine that keeps it firm and strong and holds everything up. Some are, some are the, 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 the mouth, and some are the, the ears that have to listen, and some are the, the mouth that has to speak. And every part um, is necessary for the proper functioning of a body. Right? especially the body of Christ. So um, it is very hard to get around without legs. And you know, by God's grace, we, we have some technology that can help folks in that unfortunate circumstance. But it is, it's not the ideal. And it's not to, it's not to belittle folks um, in, in, to which that is the, the reality for them. But the fullness of things to come, and, and even for that person, when Jesus comes back, will be restored to a full kingdom body. And you can't get around. The church can't move forward if it doesn't have its legs or its feet. And so we can't say, uh, oh, I, I hate those people who are always pushing us and moving us into the next thing. They're always driving. They're always pushing. They're always going. I hate those people, right? We can't say that because without those people, the church never moves forward. We can't say to the, to, that, we, that we don't like the people who are you know, always slowing things down to take care of people who are, who are hurting and who, who need love and attention and affection in a particular way uh, to receive healing because some of our body is hurting. <clears throat> we can't say we don't need those people because without them, the church would just bleed out and die. Your legs can't move forward if you have a gaping wound in which you're bleeding out everywhere. Eventually, they'll just keel over and stop moving. So, unified in its mission, purpose, but varied 
in its gifting. We are a holy nation. This is uh, Ephesians 3.19. We are citizens of an eternal kingdom and ambassadors of that kingdom in this world. And we'll talk a little bit more about ambassadors as well in a minute because we are God's witnesses. <clears throat> we are a holy nation. If you feel left out, if you feel alone, if you feel isolated, know that your citizenship is secure in an eternal kingdom with a king who loves you and accepts you and is openly welcoming you in to experience the fullness of the humanity that you were created to experience. We are the holy temple. We're the very presence of God dwells. That literally the Holy Spirit dwells inside of the individual believer. But also, the Holy Spirit, therefore, dwells inside the church. We are ambassadors and witnesses, right? This is Acts 1.8. <clears throat> um, that literally, the, we are to give account to the world for who God is. We witness and we show, we show people what the truth is. And lastly, we are God's flock. This comes from John 10. We are the sheep that hear his voice and follow him. And he is our shepherd who leads us, who directs, guides, feeds us, cares for us, disciplines us even. Wow, that's a church. That's amazing. We're the household of God. We're meant to be family. Does family irritate you? <laughs> Me too. I get it, right? We talked about how that can happen sometimes where we don't appreciate the varied gifts inside the body, the different parts of the body, right? Family can be annoying, but family's still family. And you're born into this family if you're a Christian. We don't pick our family, but we love our family and we honor our family and we move forward together in unified purpose with our family. And I'll say this from personal experience, Many of us come from a broken family. And it's hard. And it's colored. And actually, the picture of family for us is very fragmented, disjointed, unloving, uncaring. It's, it represents isolation and aloneness. But God's family is not that. God's family never runs away from each other. God's family always sticks together. God's family cares for each other because that's what family does. God's family does the dishes after the meal together. It's not a restaurant where you show up, get served, and somebody else cleans up your mess. Because God's church is a family. And for some of us, that's hard. Because we've been treating the church like a restaurant. And we should, and, and the people in the church, like servers and waiters, to meet our needs, to, make, to, to meet our demands, even. And we place our order and we expect other people to uh, fulfill them. And then we don't leave a tip at the end when we leave. And we, we, we go to other restaurants and we leave bad Yelp reviews of the previous ones. And all of a sudden you have this long line of Yelp reviews of churches behind you. 
um, when actually the, the problem keeps moving from church to church to church. And the, but the church is going to be the place where you experience family and transition from treating the church like a restaurant to treating the church like a family. Okay, I got to move on from this because I get to talk about that forever. Here we go. Here's some bad definitions of the church, right? When you ask somebody, say, hey, what, what, what is the church? And, and a lot of Christians would answer uh, some, of these, some of these ways, right? Uh, some people would cite Matthew 18, right, where two or three are gathered. There I am among you. It's literally the worst definition of the church you could possibly give, okay? Uh, <clears throat> what, what Jesus is talking about there is being present with the church, not uh, giving the foundational definition for what the church is, that when some people in the wider church are in conflict, he's with them to sort out that conflict and restore unity and healing and forgive sin um, to repair whatever damage has been done in the body. Uh, that is what Jesus is saying. And you know this because... Uh, the process starts off with the individuals going to each other. If that doesn't work out, then you bring somebody else from where? Your local church to help. Somebody who knows the situation and knows the people to help uh, mediate and moderate that conversation to bring, uh, to bring the relationship back to restoration. And you know, furthermore, that the process goes on, that if that doesn't work, you go to the elders. Well, what elders? You wouldn't just, like, you can't just say we're a part of the, the global church and fly over to Rome, grab the Pope, drag him back, and get him to sort out your problem in, in, in your local church. Like, yes, we are the universal church, but it's not enough to just be a part of the universal church. You need, uh, you need the local church because you need somebody to point to to say, that's my elder. That's my leader. I need them to help resolve this dispute, right? And then beyond that, furthermore, the, the, another reason is it keeps going from there, right? You then, if you can't resolve the issue with the leaders, it's brought before the entire body to decide what happens next. And you say, well, what body? Because you literally cannot gather the whole church throughout the entire world to settle issues, so what body? Well, your local church body. And that could play itself out in a number of different logistical ways. Like, I get it. But it has to be the local church there. And so don't use Matthew 18 to define what the church is. But the truth of Matthew 18 is no matter how much your family annoys you and hurts you, God is with us through it all. <clears throat> Some would say, and this is the truth, <laughs> In Toronto, for a lot of people, uh, uh, like that, the, the, they disappear in the summertime. You wonder where do you go? Where do you go? Well, to do all sorts of fun things, right? All sorts of fun things, like the cottage and nature and hiking. Especially now, we can't, you know, fly to other countries. But so we're, we're really experiencing um, Ontario, which is great, and we should do that. And there's nothing wrong with experiencing nature with your friends and your family. But here we go. When it comes to the cost of abandoning your family, because Jesus redefines the family as those who hear God's voice and obey it, when you abandon your local church for months at a time, you disappear, you stop participating in things, you stop uh, following along in communication and how people are doing, so you can't hear who's hurting, so you can't care for them, you can't use your gifts to serve them, you can't be prepared for the thing that's coming next, and we're in the summer right now, so this is hitting very close to home for some of us, right? Just 
going out into nature and seeing your friends is not a good enough definition of the church, right? Because uh, you may say, you may say, well, I wasn't at church this Sunday because I was in my church, the cottage. It's like, no, you weren't at your church, the cottage. You were just at the cottage, right? Nature is not your church. Your local church is your church. <clears throat> well, some, some say, well, I have this very nice Bible study with my, with my XYZ parachurch organization. And we have pe- a lot of people in our ch- church who participate in parachurch organizations, and it's great. We love that. You should do that um, if you feel so called. Um, but just because you have a bunch of nice church-like events to go to doesn't mean you are actively involved in a church. Uh, some of us, ha- this, we settle for this. Just prayer time with roommates, right? It's not enough. It may feel good. It actually is good. You should do that. But there's no authority. There's no accountability there. It is not the church in and of itself. It is but an activity that a church has an opportunity to participate in together. So we need a full understanding, biblical understanding of the church. All right. Uh, lastly, before we really dive into the passage, and, and look at this. Somehow we're 27 minutes in, and we're not even at the passage yet. <clears throat> I just want to say this one last thing. There's a difference between foundational kingdom principles of the church and the way it works itself out logistically, its methods. Okay? So various churches have a variety of different methods in which they engage with the principles, right? So a church should sing, right? But all, all churches should sing. They should have uh, uh, great worship, but do all churches, or what songs should all churches sing? It doesn't matter, right? Well, it does matter what songs you pick. But, you know, ultimately, churches have the freedom to pick a wide variety and array of different songs um, in which they should sing and how they should sing them and what genre of music and what style uh, in which they, they lead it. It's, there's, there's, there's vast uh, variety in which the, the kingdom principles can be lived out. And so if other churches do things in different ways, that's great. Right? We love those churches if they love Jesus. <clears throat> All right. I'm excited, personally, for what kind of a church we get to be as Trinity Life Church. So let's hit this passage. I have a little acronym for you. I saw this online. I thought it was amazing, and so I want to present it uh, to you. This is, here's my acronym for answering the question, what is the church? It's J-E-S-U-S-C-H-U-R-C-H. Jesus Church. That's the church. And what does that mean? All right, point number one. And this all comes out of this Acts passage here, right? Let's read it, and we'll see uh, each point in this acronym. Ready? I'm actually going to start in verse uh, 36, or sorry, 37. Okay, so Peter gets up. He preaches this beautiful sermon. We see a part of it recorded here. um, And this is what happens next after Peter preaches the first sermon for the church. Ready? Uh, Verse 37 in Acts chapter 2. Now when they heard this, that's the sermon about Jesus, uh, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Here's the response. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for 
your children and all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, so he preached for a long time. It looks like that's the direction it's going today. With many other words, he bore witnesses and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word, they were baptized. And they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Okay, there's more to read, but let's pause there. Could you imagine if that happened? Like, all of a sudden, this tiny little church becomes this massive church. There's huge leadership problems. There's huge logistical things that need to get worked out. Um, there's, there's people around who are just an absolute mess who need to be cared for. When all of a sudden, you have this massive church. And so it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter if you're a small church or a big church. What matters is that you're the church, and then we all walk forward and try to figure these things out together. And I get it. There's a lot of problems at our church, and we are slowly moving from, guess what? We started off as just a few families in a living room, and we are becoming a bigger church. And we will continue to become a bigger church because people matter to us, especially the uh, people meeting Jesus matters to us. And we will sort out the logistics along the way. And it's a big part of why we're streamlining a bunch of things, because what worked as a smaller church is not working as this medium-sized church that we were finding ourselves becoming. We have more kids in the family. That's a good thing. All right. So here we go. The passage for today. And they devoted themselves, this is verse 42, to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing uh, the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Amazing. This is Jesus Church. J-E-S-U-S-C-H-U-R-C-H. So what's the J? The J is Jesus-centered Bible teaching and preaching. Just go read Peter's sermon. It's amazing, right? Um, they, this is verse 42 as well. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Right? So there's Jesus-centered Bible teaching and preaching, that Jesus should be the main focus of the message the thrust should be people meeting Jesus, starting to hear his voice, and then obeying him as they receive healing and start to walk forward in their new life on mission uh, together. Um, the, uh, the, the church became a church through the preaching of the word and the receiving of the Holy Spirit together. That's beautiful. And so the aim of our, our three groups is to use the scripture to train in righteousness, to, uh, to, to correct and rebuke and teach. And, uh, and it should all be, the thrust of it should all be towards Jesus. Uh, there's a lot of places and opportunities for teaching in our church, not just this time right here. And so, and, and Jesus should be at the middle of all of that. Holy Spirit, Jesus thrusted teaching. It should also be, this is E, J-E, emotional worship. Emotional worship. How good was worship this morning? I was standing right here. Dave was leading right there. I know you, you haven't seen the space, but he's literally right there. The drums are literally right there. And, uh, and I'm like, 
dancing, I'm jumping, the drums are going, I'm pumping, and I'm praising, my hands are up, and I'm praying and singing, and it should be emotional. Let me show you why. This is what the early church was doing. Verse 43, and awe came upon every soul. Verse 47, they were praising God. It's exciting, right? Somebody literally finds new life. In fact, here it's 3,000 people find new life. They meet Jesus. They're starting to receive healing for some of the horrible things that have been done to them. They're starting to receive (coughs) redemption, forgiveness for some of the horrible things that they have done. That's you too, by the way. You can have this. Um, And oh my gosh, there's just awe and wonder. And we believe miracles can happen. And so if you are hurting, we want to pray for you. If there's something wrong in your body, you're being afflicted by something, we want to pray for you because we believe there is power in the Holy Spirit that through the praise, uh, because when we see those things happen, and those things do happen, by the way, we get to we get to praise God. We get to be filled with awe and wonder. And our, and our worship should be emotional. It should be emotive, whatever that is for you. I've, I've said this before, right? Whatever it looks like, if someone were to reach out and literally hand you a million-dollar check, that's what it should look like to worship Jesus times a thousand. And if it doesn't look like that, just ask yourself a question. And I get it. I'm a little biased because I lead worship a lot of the time. <laughs> So take it with a tiny grain of salt. But, I mean, I'm just talking about the word of God here. All right. J-E-S. We have saved church members. All right. This comes from verse 38, which is why I tracked back a little bit in our passage for today. What 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 did Peter say the proper response to the word of God is and the movement of God is and the resurrection of Jesus is and the work that God has been doing from the beginning of time until now is? It's to change our thinking, come before God, say, you are right. I was wrong. I am going to change my thinking about you now. I'm going to change my thinking about the church. I'm going to change my thinking about who I am. I'm going to change my thinking about uh, what the the point and purpose of life is. All of this is going to change. I'm going to repent. It doesn't have to be a scary word. Like, we change our minds all the time. Uh, How especially with our ignorance, ignorance towards ultimate things. It's okay to change our minds about those. And so we repent and align ourselves with the kingdom of God. And when, when, it's, when it's around Jesus in particular, we are baptized into the water to represent and to signify that change um, to the world. <clears throat> and, uh, and so in this, in this, there is a distinct separation. Or, sorry, there's... I don't want to say separation because we're not totally separate. We still engage society, right? But there is a distinction. There's a difference between what we call the world and what we call the church. There's just a difference, right? The world shouldn't take communion. The world isn't baptized. The world uh, doesn't sing to Jesus. The church does. So I welcome you, if you're new to this stream, to start trusting in Jesus and just change your mind about how you think about who he is, who God the Father is, who the Holy Spirit is, to change your mind about what the church is and to come and be a part of it all. And to come and be a member. 
And church membership then becomes a hotly debated issue because we don't like commitment. We don't like authority in this generation. Uh, we don't want to sign our name down as being officially part of something. And so we debate this topic in really silly ways. But right here, you see the distinction between the world and the church. And the distinction is most clearly made in putting your hand up or putting pen down and saying, yes, I'm a part of this local church or making a verbal ascension. So in two ways, you can probably affirm your commitment to the local body of Christ by signing pen on paper or by making a verbal commitment before God and his people, right? Uh, and so I would say do both. That's why we do both, right? Because it's just the most clear way to say, I am a part of the church. I am a member. You can hold me accountable. I am a part of seeing the mission of God move forward here. I uh, believe in Jesus. I'm trusting him. I'm trying to obey him. And so you are the family that gets to come alongside me and help me do that. And I'm also part of the family that gets to help you do that. If you're not a member yet, and if this is your first time, actually for Rise Online, if you're later on, this is being recorded and we're putting it online, for Rise Online, if you're going through this in the future, um, become a member, right? As you get to the end of Rise Online, you'll have the solid foundation, everything you need for understanding who we are as Trinity Life Church, uh, who, what we believe about God, the kingdom, the church, his mission, uh, society, people, life, all of these things, identity, destiny, all these things, and you'll have the foundation for understanding and you'll be able to say, yes, I want to be a part of this church, or no. And if you have to say no to our church for some reason, I would encourage you to say yes to another church that aligns with the kingdom values that you hold if they are indeed kingdom values. But go be a part of the church and go be a member at the local church. You need people around you who are going to say, yes, I'm family with you. And if you don't say it, you won't live it. Because the second they try to be the hard parts of family, you'll say, I never... I never gave you permission to do that. That has happened to me. I've literally had conversations like that where we were family. We met every week, multiple times a week, had, them, had people uh, in our homes. We've wept with them. We've prayed for them. And when it's time to do the hard parts of family, they said, you don't have permission to speak into that part of my life. And then they disappeared. We need to give ourselves permission to do that. And here's why. You can't just pick certain religious activities to involve yourself in and assume you're part of the church. Because Jesus loves his church, and you should love the church. Jesus died for his church. You should also give up of yourself to be a part of the church. The New Testament letters are written to local churches with particular leaders. And so this brings us to you, J-E-S-U. They're under godly leadership, right? This is where we see here, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Jesus is the chief shepherd. He is the one over us all, but he assigns under shepherds, uh, we, could, we call them elders, um, church leaders for, uh, for, for the church members to follow. 
Okay? And so uh, if the church leaders are following the ultimate leader and the chief shepherd, then the, then, the, then the sheep follow the under shepherds and everybody ultimately is following Jesus. So when the, so when the under shepherds uh, or the church leaders stop following Jesus, then you have uh, the sheep know still who the chief shepherd is and they can follow because they recognize his voice as John 10, right? That his sheep know his voice and they follow him. But Paul's, Paul's model here is, is follow me, he says, referring to himself as I follow Christ. So as the church leaders follow Jesus, follow your church leaders. So ask yourself, do you submit to any leadership in your life? Any at all? Any. And I'm not talking just work, right? That you do the things your boss tells you. Because your boss is paying you. So in part, your boss has some responsibility to you, right? And you can, you can say, well... I, I, don't, I don't want this money anymore, so I'm going to go somewhere else, right? And it's a very transactional relationship, a job. So it's not quite the same. Do you submit to any authority in your life? And it's not, just, it's not just your friend who you give permission to speak into the hard parts of your life, right? So I'm talking about someone who God has established, who, who a wider body other than yourself has affirmed as a leader for that community, the Trinity demonstrates this dynamic, right? That the, the Son submits to the Father and the, the Holy Spirit is sent by the Son and, um, and Jesus does what he hears the Father, uh, does what he sees the Father doing and he, and he says what he hears the Father saying, right? <clears throat> and he, def- he, he, he defers to it and, and tasks and assignments are delegated to the Son, when Trinity Life Church started, I had to intentionally submit myself to other people. We ultimately were planting this church together, but I intentionally had to come alongside them and say, I want to learn from you. I want to grow from you. You are further along in life. You're married. You have kids. Uh, I've been a Christian literally for five minutes, so I don't have it all figured out yet. I'm going to come alongside you. And even though I didn't understand everything that was being told to me and why I needed to do it, and and, and I even disagreed with it at certain points, I did it anyways because I knew there was something valuable in the fact that God had called and uniquely assigned these individuals to Toronto, to our city, to do something very particular. And I was very excited to see how it was going to play out, even if I didn't understand. Of course I didn't understand it. But I submitted myself to their authority because I knew something that God had assigned them uh, in that place. Previous to Trinity Life Church, um, I, I, had to, I had to be involved in church discipline. And I had to submit myself to uh, a godly leader in that church, and they had to teach me and correct me and help come alongside me so that I could experience flourishing in life where previously I had been uh, chasing after death. If you want to, you, you may not ever know someone in your life who's actually been through a formal church discipline process where it has reached the point, I mean, we all do it every day, right? When a brother sins against you, you go to them. So we've done that. But to the point where it gets to church leadership and that kind of stuff, you may have never met somebody. If you want to talk to me about how valuable that was in my journey of faith as a new believer, as a new person trying to follow Jesus, ultimately being a part of the church as a non-Christian is what got me into this trouble in the first place. Um, but as I met Jesus, this, this process was hugely redemptive and restorative 
formative for me and ultimately brought so much life. So ask me about it sometime. I'd love to share because it's really beautiful what can happen. Uh, leaders exercise a unique teaching role, right? They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. Uh, they, we see later in Acts, they lead the, the, the church through potentially divisive issues. And we see that in multiple occasions in Acts. Even uh, uh, this is perfect for right now because of the stuff that's going on in our culture. Even potent, things that are going on in the church that are potentially racist. No, I'll say they, they were racist. Right. And the leader, it takes the leaders to lead the community through potentially divisive situations like that. Um, they send they send other leaders to uh, authenticate revival. We see this in Acts. We uh, uh, we see the leaders ap- appoint senior leaders at new churches, right? In particular, in Acts 14, and this happens a few times. Um, and we see many servants or deacons, as they've come to be called in modern times, servants. The the word deacon literally means servant. <clears throat> and there may be people that you serve alongside who teach you things and, and, and invite you to come serve alongside of them. There you go. So J-E-S-U-S, we got to wrap this up. So I got to bank through C-H-U-R-C-H. So sin repenting, that's the last S in, in Jesus, right? They are sin repenting. A church needs to be sin repenting, right? That, that Jesus, this is literally the whole point, that Jesus comes to earth to chase after people who have turned away from a loving God and lived separately from him. And, and God puts into, into place his eternal plan that it was always intended to redeem what he knew would be a lost people, a stiff-necked, hard-hearted, uh, ignorant people to bring them back to him because he's ultimately loving. This has been the entire storyline of the Bible. And uh, the thing that separates us from God is called, is called sin. And Jesus dies on the cross in your place, like the sin that, that you committed, that you carried out, the ways that you turned against God, Jesus takes the punishment for that so that the judge can say, ah, here's the sinner. Has his sin been dealt with? It has. So they don't have to suffer the consequences of it, right? Jesus suffers the consequences of it for you, and now you can have life with God as you're always meant to. So there's sin repenting, right? That's verse 38. Uh, they do communion together. This is, they meet, uh, in, they, they meet together, they attend a temple together, and they broke bread in homes. So, uh, so do meals together. There's something really beautiful in sharing a meal together, and we're about to take part in the eternal meal, the, the thing that is points to the eternal feast, that heaven is as typified as the, the best party that ever was with the choicest of meats, sorry, vegetarians, and the finest of wines. Sorry, folks who don't drink alcohol, right? That, that, that is the picture of heaven, and that's what we're going to be doing. And there will be the finest of vegetables, too, and there will be the finest of kombucha as well. It's just not said in the Bible, so, but I know it'll be there because it's really good, too. All right. <clears throat> and so they do communion together. And so I would invite you to do communion with us, and this is our time to respond to the amazing things that God is doing. H, huge generosity. God is the best giver, amen? He literally gave his son for you. Huge generosity. Uh, uh, make it very practical in your generosity, right? Uh, I want to hear stories of people giving away cars, selling things so that others don't have to. We, we've literally had that happen in our church. So many people's financial needs have been met. We heard it in the chat earlier. It's amazing. That is happening. And as we, as we get older, we're a very young church, as we get older and have more resources to steward we're going to see some crazy stories happen. Crazy stories. And so get creative and have fun with how we can meet 
all the needs, right? This is, they're selling their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. It's not communism because the belongings are still yours. You still have personal responsibility to give and give generously. So if you're like a hippie and you're 17 and you're hearing this, don't say, yes, see, communism. No, don't do that. <clears throat> all right. Underwater baptism. All right, let's get through this one real quick. John dunked people under the water fully in a huge river. Jesus was one of those people. He was dunked fully under the water in a huge river. The disciples in Acts, they were dunking people underwater. The word is akin to literally a ship sinking under the water. That is very wet. Okay, so get ready to celebrate new life in Christless as we look to dunk people in Lake Ontario next week. It's going to be amazing. Get excited. So underwater baptism. The R, C-H-U-R, regular, they regularly gather. This is verse 46. Day by day, they attended the temple. This is the large gathering. Day by day, they were in the large gathering at the temple, and they broke bread in homes. So it's both the big gathering and the small gathering, right? We meet in homes, and we meet in the temple. There were big crowds. Paul teach in the hall of Tyrannus. Jesus gathered crowds of upwards of 5,000. Peter preached to thousands right here, and they all met Jesus, and it was crazy. They met in homes. And guess what? You hear that, and some of them were small homes. But some of these people, like Lydia, were rich, and they actually had large homes in which they could have housed hundreds of people and gathered hundreds of people in their house courtyard. So even those folks who were like, yeah, it's all about house church. That's the best, the fullest expression of the church. Well, guess what? A lot of the churches they would have met in would have been larger gatherings than Trinity Life Church. And that's a house church. Isn't that crazy? It's not just your living room, okay? They were, uh, let's see, what else? Regular gathering. Okay, I hit that one pretty good. Next, community. Uh, <laughs> they devoted themselves to fellowship, right? They, they broke bread. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. So get together. Do life together. Devote yourself to the fellowship, as it says at the top. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship that we are to do community together. So get excited. If you're new or if you're not a Christian, you get a family and you get to devote yourself to that family and that family will devote itself to you. It's amazing. Lastly, H. Oh my goodness. I'm we're, we're finally getting there. Harvesting through evangelism and church planting. That's a big one. H, it's huge. But we did it last week, so maybe we can skip that, right? But we will do evangelism. We will plant churches. This church in particular did evangelism, and their entire church changed overnight. There was, uh, you know, when a family grows, it's a good thing. There's more kids. There's more people. There's more problems. But guess what? Ultimately, when a church grows, there can be more joy. Don't say that a big church that has lots of kids is, cannot be a fun, exciting, and amazing church. And guess what? We're by no means a big church, so let's not get too crazy there. But let's not belittle churches who are large because they're just a family with more kids. All right? And if a new kid comes into our family, don't get grumpy about that. Okay? Because you would not get grumpy about having another kid in your own family. You would celebrate that. <clears throat> and the point of it is to do this, because it culminates here in verse 47. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
right? Day by day, day by day, 356 people should join our church every year. Whether because they met Jesus and were generated by the Holy Spirit or because uh, they just didn't have a church and now they have a church. Which some might debate that those two things are almost very much the same. It means more people discovering their identity and destiny in Christ. So how does it sound to be a Jesus church? A J-E-S-U-S-C-H-U-R-C-H. A Jesus church. We should be this. We are this. And it's amazing. And you should be a part of it. No club, no sports team, no community center, no school will ever outlast or replace the church of God because the church of God will live out forever into eternity. And the church of God sings together. The church of God eats together. The church of God gives each other when they're in need. The church of God sees it heal each other. The church of God is committed to each other. And it is, last point, the very vehicle for the eternal Trinitarian one another lifestyle. You want to experience the life you're always meant to live? The life that God has been living for all eternity? Be a part of the local church. Let's pray. God, thank you for the church. Thank you that you died for the church. Thank you that it's so easy to spend upwards of an hour talking about the church and we could go so much longer. Bring out stories of how how amazing local churches are all across this city. May people celebrate their churches. May people love their churches. And may the church widely in all over the world, but also locally in Toronto and uniquely in Trinity Life Church, just explode because there are people who need what we have. It's the very thing they were created for. So God, we're excited to sing to you. We're excited to respond to you. We pray this all in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.